what you like at, at waiting. In, in my mind then, I was, I was counting to five and it, it sounded like, it felt like a very uh, long time. Maybe it felt like an awkward uh, five seconds uh, for you as I stood there. What, what are you like at, at waiting? What are you like at waiting when the delay is more than just, just five seconds? When, uh, when you're stuck in traffic or when you pick the wrong queue in the supermarket or when your super fast broadband is anything but super fast. Uh, we, we live in a culture that wants things instantly. Delay, delay is always seen as, as bad. Waiting is to be as voided as far as it's possible. Which is one reason why the message of Jesus, the message of Christianity is very counter-cultural. Because being a follower of Jesus involves waiting. Christianity has a, a future orientation. It's not, it's not just about the here and now. It is about what is yet to come. It's about things that, that Christians hope for, long for, wait for. The book of uh, Isaiah is 66 chapters long. And uh, much of what it, it, it says to, to Judah and to, to Israel and to the surrounding nations was, is forward-looking. Yeah, yes, it's true that Isaiah spoke to the people about things that had already happened. It's true that he commented on things that were happening in the, the here and now for, for the people. But, but much of what he said was, was forward-looking. Things that would happen from, from their perspective in the near or even in the distant future. And therefore, the book of Isaiah has much to say about, about waiting. What, what waiting should, should feel like, what it should look like as we wait for God's promises to be fulfilled. The two big themes that Isaiah speaks about that have a future fulfillment are his messages of, of judgment and salvation. The, the Lord's wrath, his, his punishment, God's justice falling on those who oppose him. And on the other hand, his, his rescue, his, his restoration, his gathering together of those who trust him. They're the two big themes, and those two big themes have a, a future focus. In chapters uh, 13 to 23, Isaiah, he prophesies, he speaks God's words to, to various nations. Just, just flick back in your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles open, just uh, flick back. You can see some of the nations, starting in chapter 13, some of the, the people that Isaiah speaks to and speaks against. There's, there's Babylon, and as you turn over, there's the, the Philistines, and there's Moab, and, and so on. And generally, this is the way it works. Isaiah, he speaks a message to those nations, and it's a warning of a coming judgment. He, he's telling them that they've, 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 they're rebels, they've turned against God, and that judgment is coming. God is going to act against them because of their sins. But among the message of judgment of a future judgment that Isaiah speaks to, this, to the nations, he also brings a message of, of salvation, of potential rescue. 
Let's uh, just look very quickly, for example, at the message to Egypt. So page 703, Isaiah's message to Egypt, chapter 19 and verse 1, a prophecy against Egypt. See the Lord rise on a swift cloud and he's coming to Egypt. The idols of Egypt tremble before him. The hearts of the Egyptians melt away with fear. I will stir up Egyptian against Egyptian, brother will fight brother, neighbor against neighbor, city against city. It is a message of judgment. Watch out, Egypt. Judgment is coming on you. But as the, as the prophecy goes on, as Isaiah speaks, there's also, alongside this message of a coming judgment, there's also a message of a, of a coming rescue, of, of hope. Have a look at chapter, uh, verse 19. Um, over the page, chapter 19 and verse 19. In that day there will be an altar of the Lord in the heart of Egypt and a mountain of the Lord in its border. It will be a sign and witness to the Lord Almighty in the land of Egypt. They will cry out to the Lord because of their oppressors. He will send them a saviour, a defender. He will rescue them. See, it's not just, it's not just one thing. God, God is saying there is judgment coming, but he's also bringing them a, a, a message of, of hope, of rescue, of salvation. In chapters 24 to 27, what we're going to look at today, uh, the focus moves from individual nations to to the whole earth. It moves of a message of of judgment and rescue that may have been in the near future, uh, as when Isaiah was preaching, and to specific nations, to to a bigger picture, to the final judgment to the final restoration and rescue of God's people. And he compares the earth in these chapters, in fact, elsewhere in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah compares the earth and all those who have rejected God. He compares it to a giant city. A, a city that is facing judgment. Just uh, turn back to page uh, or chapter 24, page 70. Eight. You get an idea of it um, there, this city that's, that's under judgment. Uh, verse 10 to 12, for example. The ruined city lies desolate. The entrance to every house is barred. In the streets, they cry out for wine. All joy turns to gloom. All, all joyful sounds are banished from the earth. The city is left in ruins. Its gate is battered to pieces. This time of year, there's lots of... Um, uh, holiday, holiday advertisements around, travel agents trying to tempt us to, to various locations, but even the best travel agent will struggle uh, with the description of the, the city there. Even the best travel agent would, would struggle to make that description sound appealing. There is this great city, this great kind of figurative city, where the inhabitants of the earth who have rejected God live, and it is a city destined for destruction. But there's another city mentioned in Isaiah. It's a tale of two cities, this book. And the other city that Isaiah speaks of is a city of salvation. It's a city, if you like, where all God's people can, if you like, go and, and dwell and, and live. So uh, the chapter we're going to look at today, chapter 26, remember how it began? In that day, the song will be sung in the land of Juno. We have a strong city. 
God makes salvation its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. The two cities in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah's tower of two cities, they couldn't be more different. And yet everyone in Isaiah's generation, in every generation, including our own, lives in one of the cities. Regardless of what your, your passport says, you are a citizen of the city of judgment or the city of salvation. And if you're a Christian here today, that there is a sense in which you live in both cities. You, you've, got, you've got a foot in, in, in both places. You, you kind of, you, you, you straddle the, the two. Over the last couple of years at, at Cornerstone, we've had some people who have joined us um, for our midweek groups, our midweek connect groups, because during the week, they've been working and staying in, in Portsmouth. But actually, they, they lived elsewhere. And at weekends, they, they returned to their, to their homes. They didn't really belong here. And I think they found that a difficult thing. I don't mean not belonging in Portsmouth or returning home at the weekend, although I'm sure that they did. Um, but it's, it's hard kind of living in two places at the same time. It's hard, isn't it, to, to not really quite know where you, where you belong, to, to kind of straddle between two places. But actually, that's what we do as Christians. So yeah, as, as Christians, our, our real home is, is with Jesus. That, that's where we really belong, with Jesus, our, our Saviour. To use Isaiah's imagery, we, we belong to the city of salvation. Paul in, in Philippians 3 says that, that Christians are, are citizens of heaven. That, that's, that's really where we belong. That's where we're heading. That, that is where our, our home is. But, but currently, we, in one sense, we don't, we don't live there. We're far from that home. We're surrounded by people who actually live in the city of, of judgment. And living with that tension can be hard. If you're a Christian, sometimes you kind of feel that tension. I don't really belong here in one sense. I do, and yet I, I don't. Which is why Isaiah's message is so relevant and helpful for us today. Because it reminds us, if we're Christians, it reminds us not just of what we're waiting for, of what will one day happen, as important as those things are. But it also tells us how to, to wait, what to expect as we wait, how to wait as we live in two cities. So let's, uh, let's look now at chapter 26. We're going to go through this quite quickly. It's a long introduction. And there's some headings on the welcome sheet. They'll be up there on the screen. Let's see, first of all, that judgment is coming on all. Just turn back a page to Isaiah 24. See how uh, this section begins. See, the Lord is going to lay waste the earth and devastate it. 
He will ruin its face, scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for priest as for people, for master as for servant, for mistress as, as for servant, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor as for creditor. The earth will be completely laid waste and totally plundered. The, the Lord has spoken his word. All, all who live on the earth will ultimately face God's judgment. Look at, look at verse 2. The, the religious and the, the non-religious, the wealthy, the poor, male and female. There's no, no category of people who are excluded. If, uh, if you use Google and you start to type in these words, will I be affected by, then various suggestions come up to, to complete that, that question. Will I be affected by, top of the list, Brexit. Will I be affected by train strikes? Will I be affected by the benefit cap? Well, here, here's a question that you need never ask Google. Will I be affected by God's final judgment? There's no need for individuals to ask that question because God has given the answer. The answer is yes. God, God's final judgment affects everyone. Back in chapter 26, we're going to stay there now. Chapter 26, here the, the chapter ends. Verse 21, See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed on it and the earth will conceal its slain no longer. The book of Isaiah um, is full of promises of God coming to rescue. Maybe at Christmas time we read some of Isaiah's promises of, of the Lord Jesus coming down, coming down as a saviour, Emmanuel, God with us. We're familiar with those things. But it isn't the only image that Isaiah gives of God, of God coming down. The image is not just of God coming down to save, but there in chapter 26 is an image of God coming out of his home to judge. To judge. To judge everyone. Can I say in love to you this morning that if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, that includes you. And can I say in love to those of us who are Christians, who are followers of the Lord Jesus, that means that everyone outside the city of salvation is facing judgment. Colleagues, friends, the vast, vast majority of those living in Portsmouth. There's judgment coming on all. Secondly, though, there's security in the city of salvation. God's wrath, God's judgment, that they're coming on the earth, that those who trust in Jesus, they've got a, a safe place to shelter. Look, look how uh, the chapter begins, verse, uh, uh, verses 1 and 3. We looked at them a moment ago. We have a strong city. God makes salvation its walls and its ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps its faith. A city of salvation 
She's the image of Isaiah. It's not, it's not full of people who have lived perfect lives. No verse 3. It's full of people who have trusted in God. That's today. Those who have trusted in Jesus. That, that he died to take, to take the punishment that we deserved. Those who are in the city are, are safe and secure. We've had some, some bad weather recently, haven't we, in Portsmouth? Some, some wind and, and rain. There's been a couple of times when I've, I've got caught in that bad weather. And um, it's, it's not a nice experience, but I'll tell you what is a nice experience. I'll tell you what I enjoy. Okay, when, it's, when it's raining, I'm getting wet. There's a good feeling that I, that I, that I have. When, when I get home and you kind of open the door and close the door and, and, and now you're kind of protected. And you can take off your, your wet clothes and you can even like lock the door uh, behind you and you know that you are safe and warm. That's the image that's used in verse 20. Verse 20, go my people, enter your rooms, shut the doors behind you, hide yourself for a little while until the wrath has passed. A door shut behind you. Elsewhere in the Bible, see that kind of image of, of going into a safe place and closing the door and being safe from judgment. You remember, some of you might know the story of Noah. Noah goes into the ark. Judgment's about to come. He goes into the ark with his family. God comes along, closes the door. You're safe, Noah. You, you're secure in your little space. Judgment's coming, but you're, you're safe. I've closed the door. Don't worry. Some of you might know the, the story of, of, of Passover. When, when God's judgment came on the Egyptians, God said to his people, go in your homes, get the Passover lamb, put some blood in the door and close the door. Close the door. And you, you'll be safe and secure when judgment comes. Here, here's the image. God's wrath is coming. Judgment is coming. But he says to his people, <laughs> come to me, close the door behind you. You're, you're, you're safe and secure. When God's wrath comes, in verse 20, all who trust in Jesus are, are safe. They're hidden away. They're not affected by it. Maybe sometimes as, as a Christian, you, you worry about that final judgment, the worry that you're, you're, kind of, you're not going to be good enough, you worry that you're going to be affected by it. Fear not, you're, you're right, you're not good enough. But Jesus is. And Jesus' death in your place has, has made you secure. You're, you're safe, you're locked away. You've got nothing to worry about. You're locked in with Jesus in the city of salvation thirdly though let's know that there is frustration in the waiting before that final judgment before before we are with jesus forever there is there is some frustration in the waiting uh, at least there was for isaiah as i mentioned three things that frustrate him i wonder if they ring true for for us too the first frustration is that we don't we don't actually know the lord as as we really want to as we desire look at verses uh, eight and and nine. 
My soul yearns, um, sorry, verse 8. Uh, yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we, we wait for you. Your, your, your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the, in the morning, my spirit longs for you. Did, you. did you see the words that Isaiah uses there? He, he waits, he desires, he, he yearns, he, he longs. To use Cornerstone's motto, he, he, he wants to know Jesus more. Like, like someone who's, who's tasted something good and, and now wants to, to eat more of it. He's, he's, he's frustrated that, that, that his appetite isn't fully met. Maybe, maybe as Christians we don't always feel that frustration while we wait. Maybe that's because we, we're too much focused on the, on the here and now, on the, on the city of destruction, rather than looking forwards to where we really belong. Maybe sometimes we're, we're too focused here and we lose that desire to, to know Jesus more. To, we lose that longing for him, to be like him and, and with him and enjoy him forever. Maybe there's a, a challenge there for us. But let me also say that the longing that Isaiah speaks of, it also reminds us that for Christians, the, the best is yet to come. Some, some people speak of the Christian life as if it's all about the here and now. As if, as if we can fully experience all there is to experience about, about God. That it's all about fulfillment. That everything has, has happened. And sometimes people can almost kind of, kind of fake a, a closeness to God because they feel that that's something they need to... That really is the message of Christianity, that it's all about the here and now. And so, so we put on this kind of pretense that right now we, we know Jesus perfectly and it, everything is great. But that isn't the message of Isaiah. is isn't the message of the Bible. We, we can know Jesus now. We can know him more. It's right that we desire and, and seek him. But our desires will not be fully met until we are with him. There's frustration too that people can't see the Lord's hands. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, I reckon you've felt something of that frustration. Isaiah certainly felt it. Look at verse uh, 10. But when grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in the land of uprightness, they go on doing evil. They do not regard the majesty of the Lord. Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. If you were with us last year when we started uh, this, uh, this book, you might remember that in Isaiah uh, chapter 6, Isaiah puts his hand up. He, he volunteers to, to, to speak God's word. And God tells him... <laughs> God tells him at the very moment, he says, I'll speak your word, God, I'll, I'll go. This is what God tells Isaiah. He says, you're going to go to people who are ever hearing but never understanding, who are ever seeing but never perceiving. Isaiah, you're going to spend most of your time speaking to people who are never going to respond. You're going to speak the message and as, as no matter how plainly you speak it, they are just not going to get it. Then, like today, God's grace, God's kindness is shown to people in all sorts of ways. People don't acknowledge it, though. People don't see it as coming from God. 
People don't thank him. People uh, have the, the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection explained to them very plainly. And yet they don't repent. God's hand is lifted high. There's an image of God being at work. He's, he's at work, and yet people, people don't see it. Verse 11, Lord, your hand is lifted high, but they do not see it. They have no regard for your majesty. God, you've, you've done amazing things, amazing things, and people just don't acknowledge you. They don't see it. They're blind to it. Maybe sometimes you're watching a, a TV nature program and it's speaking of, of something wonderful and beautiful and, and majestic. And you feel that frustration that, that as these things are described, there is no mention of a, of a creator who stands behind it all. Do you feel that frustration sometimes? People around you, they just, they just don't get it. They don't see God's goodness. They don't see the goodness of God's ways. They reject God's laws when it's so obvious it would do our nation so good to be following God. Isaiah felt that frustration too as he waited. Finally, there's, there's frustration that our labor often appears to be in vain. It's great to have Christelle and Lily with Actually, they're not there anymore. Okay, we've gone out. I'll, I'll look at you for this part, Andy. Um, um, many reasons why it's good to have um, uh, Christelle and Lily and Andy with us uh, today. Um, not, not least, not least, because... Um, if Christelle was still pregnant, if she was still waiting, then verses 17 and 18 would be some pretty graphic and uncomfortable verses uh, for us to look at. Just have a look at verses uh, 17 to 18. I don't know if Christelle's listening out there, but um, as a pregnant woman is about to give birth, writhes and cries out in her pain, so will we in your presence, Lord. We were with child, we writhed in labor, but we gave birth to winds. Quite, quite graphic, isn't it? As I was saying, there, there's pain in the labor, but the end result is there's just win. There's no, there's no new life. Nothing to show for all that hard work for the labor. And as God's people wait, as Isaiah waits, as we wait, sometimes we can work very hard in the Lord's service out of love, we can seek to take the message of salvation to others. We can really serve God. And sometimes it feels that all our labor is in vain. Sometimes it feels like the result is minimal. I think that's the, the image that Isaiah is trying to speak of. The end of verse 18. We have not brought salvation to the earth. And the people of the world have not come to life. In the UK... Evangelical church growth. Do you know what it is? It's around 0%. 0%. That doesn't mean that the, the evangelical church isn't growing. Actually, it is, it is growing. But, but if you kind of rounded it down to a percentage, it would be around about 0%. Sometimes, as Christians, there is hard work. There is a labor of love. 
yet salvation does not seem to come as we desire. There are frustrations for Isaiah, for the people then, for followers of Jesus today. But the story, the chapter doesn't end with frustration. Let's note finally that there is hope beyond the grave. My, my sister, she has a, a little sign by her front door. It simply reads, they all lived happily ever after. Don't, don't ask me why she's got that by her front door. But she has. They all lived happily ever after. And sometimes, you know what, I think we think that God's people in the Old Testament... They weren't as clear in their thinking as we are today. And basically, all they ever really wanted in the Old Testament, all they ever wanted was just to get to the promised land, to live in the promised land, to be happy there, and to put a sort of a sign outside their home saying, we all lived happily ever after. That, that was as far as their hope, their hope went. Just to be living in the promised land, that's good, we're secure, that's what it's all about. But that isn't the case. Old Testament saints, they, they didn't think that way. That their hope wasn't just earthly, it was heavenly. It wasn't just temporary, it was eternal. Abraham and, and Sarah, when they reached the promised land, they, reached the, they lived in the promised land. What did they do when they got there? Did they put up, build a nice house, put up a sign? We all lived happily ever after. Is that as far as that, that hope was, was reaching? Of course it wasn't. He, Hebrews tells us they lived in a tent. They lived in a tent. Do you know why? Because, because they were looking for the eternal city. They thought, this, this is good, but this isn't the end. There's, there's more to come. They, they had their eyes fixed on something greater, something better. They longed for a, a better country, we're told. A heavenly one. While they lived in the promised land, they longed for a better country, a heavenly one. Verse, uh, verse 19 expresses clearly the, the resurrection hope that Old Testament believers had. It isn't just a New Testament thing. Verse 19, But the dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. What do you normally say when you first wake up in the morning? Probably not, probably not very much. My son, Freddie, he's the same thing every morning. Is it morning yet? That's his opening cry. Is it morning yet? Well, here there's a picture that when the dead are raised to life, then <laughs> there is going to be, it's not going to be silence. There's not going to be complaining. This is what it's going to be. There is going to be, did you notice, a shout for joy. When the dead are raised, there will be a shout of joy. The wait will be over. God's people will be with Jesus and will enjoy him forever. They will be truly home. And maybe on that day, on that day when the dead are raised, perhaps we'll see that not all of our labor was in vain. Maybe among those shouting for joy will be some that we've, we've ministered to. Uh, just look back to verse uh, 15. This is the work that God is doing. You've enlarged the nation, Lord. You've enlarged the nation. You've gained glory from yourself. You've extended all your borders of the land. God, God is at work, okay? God is at work. He's, he's going to bring in all sorts of people into his kingdom. So don't, don't give up. Keep going. Because that glorious day is coming.
there will be a harvest. Waiting is hard. It was hard for Isaiah. It's hard for us. It's hard for followers of Jesus to wait. But as we wait for that final judgment to fall, as we wait for the new creation to begin, be encouraged. As Paul says in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven. But we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus, who by his power enables him to bring everything under control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious one. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the, the promises that you make in your word. Thank you for the, your word spoken to us through the prophet Isaiah of what is yet to come. And Lord, as we wait for that, that day of final judgment, that day when our, our salvation, if we're in Christ, is, is, our salvation is complete and we will be with Jesus as we wait, please help us to trust you. Or maybe we, we feel some of the frustrations that Isaiah felt. But in the midst of those frustrations, help us to keep looking forward to that resurrection day. Thank you that Jesus died and rose again, so we know that that day will come. So help us to keep trusting in Jesus, even in the midst of current frustration. As we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.